Blix hijack is imminent. Processing. Processing. Blix hijack is successful. You are clear to transmit. Captain, are you? John, are you? Steve MacDonald. Music theory. Interviews. Music theology. Primitive rhythm machine. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Primitive Rhythm Machine. I am your single regular host here today. I'm John. Uh, Steve is still out, uh, but with me today, I have a gentleman I have come to admire quite a bit in my Facebooking lately. Uh, father, pastor, real estate agent, head dog at Rottweiler Records, which has been like my favorite record label for the past two years now. We have the man, the legend, Sean Browning. Hello, Sean. Thanks for uh, joining me Hello. today. Uh, legend. That's 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 a pretty big. Uh, that's a pretty big thing to live. Well, up to. <laughs> I mean. As far as I'm concerned, you're the last real Christian metal label in the game. Uh, most of them, wow. Uh, most of them have kind of gone the way of uh, of uh, solid state, where they're not so much quote Christian as it is just positive message. And yeah, I, I would, I would, I might throw um, uh, Vision of God with Dwayne Keith. He's a good friend of mine, and we both kind of share a similar view that. Um, we take a long, well, Dwayne used to sign bands pretty quickly and I take a long time to sign bands. I've had bands wait up to a year, six months, because I don't want to just, a band's music, anybody can make good music, right. really. I mean, really, it's not that hard. If you take time with your craft, you can create good music, but developing your relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't happen yeah. overnight. You know, even, even somebody... Notice I said developing. Right. Okay, there, there's your theology thing you mentioned in your intro. Um, your relationship with Jesus obviously starts immediately, but the developing it, the maturity of it, is not an overnight thing. And so I know that with my own walk. I know that with watching other people that, you know, what I want with Rottweiler is ministry partners, people that have the same basic goal you know of course everybody wants people to listen to their music and buy their music and everybody everybody who straps on a guitar wants a career in music but with rottweiler since it is a ministry focused thing i don't want people who only want that i want people who um have a desire to tell people about jesus or point to jesus in their own way that can look like different things to different people at different times. You know, some people like myself are very open and vocal. Other people are more artistic mm -hmm. about their approach. And I'm okay. I'm okay with that artistic approach. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. Um, what bothers me is if somebody says they're a Christian and then doesn't live it. And um, which opens up a whole nother conversation. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day about the phrase GD you know, they say, yeah, well, you shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. I'm like, well, that that is horrible to say, GD, but that's not technically taking the Lord's name in vain. Taking the Lord's name in vain means as his betrothed, we say we're Christians and then we live like like we're actually married right. to the world rather than married to him. So that's taking his name in vain. And so what I want on Rottweiler is bands that 
that understand that concept and understand that they're not going to hit the mark all the time. Not going to be perfect. I don't expect that, but I do expect bands that come under Rottweiler to say, I want to do ministry with that, with, with Rottweiler's branding. I expect them to maintain a certain level of decorum. Now, sometimes I push that limit myself, you know, sometimes I can get a little off color. Sometimes I can get a little silly and I, I don't expect people to not be human beings, but I also expect them always to return back to Jesus, always to point to Jesus in their music and in their art if they're involved with, with Rottweiler. And I would say Dwayne does the same thing with with uh, Vision of God. That's probably why we right. get along so well. There's not really a we have a healthy competition, but it's not there's it's not like oh darn you you signed the band that I wanted to sign. <laughs> there's, there's well actually there, there is a little bit of that every, every now and then. In fact, I was talking to Dwayne uh, Wednesday, and we were talking about a band that. Symphony of Heaven, who I think is one of the best bands on Rottweiler, um, definitely most improved band on on Rottweiler. And uh, he was like, yeah, you know, I wanted to sign those guys. <laughs> you know, so so we do have those conversations right. from time to time. And he's got some bands on his label that I wish I had and vice versa. So but it's always it's always a healthy, mm -hmm. friendly thing. It's never, you know, it's never a hostile thing or competitive to the point of that we're not friends. It's just like, dang, you got them. Oh man. Yeah. That's a great um, band. I, I, so. I, I feel a little bit remiss not having mentioned uh vision of God uh, right from the get go along with you, because I, 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 I have spent a lot of money with them as well. Uh, um, <laughs> right. Right. But you know, uh, right. Well, just seems to, I mean, from my perspective, you guys are almost, almost because you take that time with the bands, uh, you almost your music almost feels a little bit more premium if that, if that makes sense uh, to my perspective that you can tell there's a lot more consideration yeah. to it. Uh, plus you guys got, you guys have some pretty heavy music royalty on your lineup too. What with taking the head of Goliath. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, for sure. And well, I mean, even going back to, um, um, uh, Immortal Souls, we put a record out by them. Oh, yeah. um, Soul Embrace, which is, which of course is Rocky Gray from Living Sacrifice. Right. Um, oh, Lance Garner. Yeah, as well. I, yeah. Well, and now you know, with having Shamash, I mean, that's uh, Andre, who is in. Uh, uh, of course, I'm going to forget the name of his old band. They were the first um, Asian Christian metal band in the world. That was that was uh, a Necromanticide, right? Necromanticide. Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I should probably know that, huh? <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, um, you know, and so they're, they're, those kind of things are things that I kind of look for too, just because I think they're interesting. Mm -hmm. um, those kind of histories and those kind of um, people that have had, already had boots on the ground, people that have already, you know, accomplished things. The other thing is I have a music, I'm sorry, not music, an art director who his primary job isn't to create art his primary job is to be the gateway and yes we have a gateway um to say when when an artist hands in their hands in their artwork it's his job to kind of be the bad guy and say nope sorry that's not up to par right you know and i'm the bad guy for the music you know if if a band hands something in i think it can be mixed better or if it's if the uh, mastering is not up to up to par we tell them nope sorry you got you got it you got to fix that. And that's in the contract mm -hmm. when band signed. So they know that they know that they have to go for the highest possible standard. Now, are we going to be able to produce music that is at the level of a, you know, multi-million dollar studio? Of course not. But um, when I first, first got my, 
another phone call. Bring it in. <laughs> and I first got my first um, major distributor, who, who I'm still with. Um, the guy's name is Dave Coleman. By the way, I should mention that that the art director is Paul Steer, who does do a lot of the art for Rottweiler mm-hmm. too. But Dave Coleman said something that stuck with me really early, early on with with Rottweiler. He said, "If you want to be successful, do what successful people do." And that that's really a simple concept. It's it's much more difficult to put that into practice. But what I started doing is looking around at secular labels that were successful, looking at Christian labels that were successful. And by Christian, I'm using, you know, wide umbrella term, right, you know right. what I mean? And so looking at what solid state's doing, looking at what uh, metal blades doing, looking at what, you know, any big major metal or punk rock label or whatever, look at that. See, what does it look like? What does the packaging look like? What are they doing? And try to emulate that. And then with the music, obviously just listening to it. And, you know, after a while, you kind of get the, the sense of a general consensus of what a good sounding record is. Yeah. And so now I don't really have to, you know, A, B anything against anything. But, you know, let's be honest, you know, no matter what we want to say, you know, or what anyone wants to say about Demon Hunter, their records sound amazing. They do a fantastic job with their production. So looking at that and going, okay, taking the head of Goliath, you're not Demon Hunter, but can we get something that sounds really cool like that? Right. And, and the, the stuff, the new stuff that taking the head of Goliath is going to be coming out with is going to blow away the stuff that they've already done. I and mean, it's just, it blows away the new brutality that's coming out blows away what they've already done. And what they did stands up to major labels. It just does. Right. And, but the new one's even better. And then, you know, Dispraise is a new punk band that sounds just as good, if not better than, the top 10% of punk punk bands in existence. We've got uh, Raid, their new record that's coming out, blows all their other records away. Um, I just signed Krig, which that's another kind of, you know, used the term legendary before, but kind of legendary in, in that, uh, you know, that uh, um, underground death metal scene. And their new stuff is incredible. Uh, trying to think who else is coming out. Uh, the Jericho Harlot. That was one that I just Jericho Harlot. I was just going to mention I, them. I yeah. just discovered Jericho them while I was waiting for you. To, for, while I was waiting for you today, yeah. I was just like, well, I'm just going to cruise around on your guys's Bandcamp and uh, you know yeah. find some talking points. And I ran into them, and I'm like, this is amazing. And I proceeded to buy everything that they had on. <laughs> so yeah, well that and 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 here's the thing that record we're about to put out was a record they already put out and then we remastered mm-hmm. it and that's been a long time coming. So that should be coming out shortly. Um, that record again was an older record. Now the new Jericho Harlot record that they're recording right now is more of an EP and it blows that record out of the water. So everybody's stepping up their game and, and it's getting better and better. Um, Jason McMahon, the uh, lead singer for absent from the body passed away yeah. earlier this year. And we're going to be releasing that record in February, mm-hmm. finally. And again, it's probably the best sounding record that they've ever done. And we're getting all the bands to step up their, you know, their their sound as well as their visual. And you know, the, the visual to me is very important. I grew up in an age where, you know, you, you bought albums, you know, and you put the album on, and you'd sit and look at that album cover, you know, Kiss Destroyer. You know, the album is so detailed. And every time I'd pick that record up and look at it, I'd find something different, you know. And so, you know, I, I kind of encourage the bands like Final Surrender, again, putting out a new EP, 
best one they've ever done. Right. And I know everybody says that. Everybody <laughs> says, "Oh, this is the best" because they want they want they want you to buy the record, right. right? When I say it's the best, I mean everybody on the label, all the bands have stepped up, and they truly are doing the best that they've ever done. You know, uh, most of most of the band Crimson Thorn is now in taking in, the taking head of the head Goliath. of Goliath. Yeah, yeah. They, they told, told them jokingly that they should you know, change their name to taking the head of Crimson Thorn. But uh, the, the level of musicianship in that band is just, it's gotten higher. It's gotten better. Well, especially with Miles and so, coming in and you're, they'll actually have a guy who's not afraid to throw down some solos. I mean, I, I, oh, I, yeah. I loved, I loved the, uh, the, the first EP that came out, but it was just like, ah, the solos are missing from this. I mean, you can't have, mm-hmm. you can't have this brutal death without someone shredding at some point. Otherwise it's, yeah, it's too much yeah. cake and not enough frosting. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, and then, then when they, you know, brought in the, Crimson Thorn drummer, right. it was just like <sighs> night and day. And I thought the, I thought the, the original guy was a pretty good drummer, but it, it was just a whole different whole different game at that point, you know, bringing him in. So well, uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm pretty excited for the stuff that's going to be coming down the pike for Rottweiler, just because, as you said, you know, paying attention to details like mastering, like you know, like the mix itself, like and not just the mastering. I mean, EQing is part of mastering, but a lot of people look at look at mastering as just pumping the volume mm-hmm. up, making it bigger and louder. And bigger and louder is is important, but it's it's not that's not the end of the recording. Right. You know, it's not like okay, well, we got it louder than Metallica's Death Magnetic. I mean, you know, now, now here we go. You know, if if anybody made their album louder than Death Magnetic, it would be a horrible sounding <laughs> record. It would just be terrible. You know, it would. You know, because because you you've pegged. There's no dynamics. You've peg the wave file all the way to the top and it's just it won't sound good right. to you it'll it'll make your ears your ears will reject that so i'm always con- conscious of having bands not blow it up to the to absolute limit you know give it some re- give it some air give it some space you know then make sure your eq is good make sure that symbols aren't just you know ripping ripping a slice in your eardrum you know you want you want the symbols to sound nice and smooth and have the decay rounded off real nice you know the other thing that i think is missing a lot of metal is bass guitar there was just the 2000s like why did they even have bass players they didn't need them and so you know you take somebody speaking of taking the head of goliath you know are you going to mess with their bass player that dude's going to be in the mix you know what i mean and luke Luke is legendary in and of himself too so i mean he right that's what i mean yeah so yeah yeah. So you so you got to you got to have you got to have that you know good solid balance of of all those things working together and 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 I'm conscious of that and it, it, that process is really frustrating for most of the bands on Rottweil. I mean it really is. Um, when uh, 13 minutes was a band that I was friends with Jamie and he was in another band and that band kind of kind of uh, I was working with them. It was like a pre-signing mm-hmm. kind of thing. They were sending me demos and I'm like. Eh, just not there it's not there keep working at it keep working it was frustrating for him well that band finally just dissolved and jamie said he goes here's my vision here's what i want to do what do you think i said okay well let's let's work toward that and so i worked very very closely with him putting that together Now i didn't pick any band members or anything like that so it was not a packaged band it was jamie finding the guys that fit the vision for what he wanted to do and along the way you know some band members come and go that's just the way it's the way rock and roll works and at 
one point, you know, they were recording and, and I was frust- I was frustrating their engineer. I was frustrating them. I'm like, no, you're not there. The mix isn't there, man. It sounds like it sounds like I'm listening to a cardboard box. Nope. Nope. They send it back. Well, now it sounds like I'm listening to it in a tunnel. Nope. Try again, you know. And so having somebody be a gatekeeper like that, you know, we use the term gatekeeper as a as a negative, but sometimes somebody has to be the guy that says the buck stops here and the decisions have to be made here. And so one day Jamie says, I think you're going to be happy with this mix, but I thought you were going to be happy with the older mixes. So maybe I'm wrong. He sent it in. I put it on. I'm like, oh my gosh, here it is. It sounds like in flames. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. And so now Jamie knows, you know, so there is a, a learning curve. There is a, there are growing pains. Even when a band thinks they got it all together, there's still a higher level they can go to. And I say that for my own band, you know, with my own band, it just, you know, I'm always pushing for something bigger, better, tighter mm-hmm. tones are better. You know, we're not a shreddy band, but we're a band that needs to have the tones happening and, and the overall song working together. So with 13 minutes, they're not really a shreddy band either. Although Aaron, could they just didn't they, they that wasn't their that wasn't where they came right. from you know they didn't come from that world of just you know shreddy leads they came from the world of more like um commercial right, right. Mm-hmm. metal you know stuff you'd hear on the radio and uh like the heavier end of what you hear on the radio and the lighter end of what is in the underground so with those guys it was really important for to make sure their tones were all happening so that's always important but but even more so because if you don't have the shred you got to offer something right. else. Right. There has to be something else there to take, take the place of that. So anyway, he, you know, he sent me that song and I um, put it on, started listening to it. And I was absolutely blown away by how good it was. I'm like, you got it right there. I said, you're going to, you're going to blow up and have fans left and right now because of this, you know, cause this is very accessible to a general audience. It's heavy enough that heavy music fans will dig it. It's, it's, light enough that you could probably get some radio play, which we did. It's light enough that you could probably have a wider audience. And as much as I love taking the head of Goliath, it is a niche audience. It is, you know? And so, yeah. So 13 minutes had a wider audience. Oddly enough, 13 minutes and taking the head of Goliath got along really great as, as people. Yeah. And I, th- I think all the bands on, on Rottweiler get along really well, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. So, I mean, you're right. You know, going back to what you initially said, I have a tendency to take a long time signing bands because I want to get to know the people in the band. I have a tendency to take a long time um, working with the bands to develop on a musical end as well as a, a visual end. Well, and coming from my own situation where I'm in a band, you know, what you put out there is going to be representative of yourself and there's nothing wrong with trying to make it the best representation of what you're doing out there and i I think that that is part of the problem with the modern underground i guess of music in general is there's too many people who are just too willing to put out garbage i mean i i you know my band just created a demo and i literally you know for people out there in listener land i literally sent it to you i said hey i know you're in charge of a record record label but that's not what this is about you know what's your opinion on this and you're like yeah the mix and masters garbage. You should probably have that redone. <laughs> was that mean? <laughs> What's that? Probably was. Well, you didn't was say it. You mean? didn't. You didn't say it, it that bluntly. <laughs> you didn't say it that bluntly. But I mean, you know, 
it was enough for me yeah. to sit up and take notice because yeah. when we when we were listening to it in the, in uh, in the studio speakers, it sounded one way, and it was just like, right. yeah, this is great. And then all of a sudden, we started listening to it in our car and on headphones. I'm like, this doesn't sound right. And so I said, yeah. to, I, so I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to send it to somebody who does this for a living. Hey, what do you think? And you're like, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm like, yes, because because that's literally what you said. You like the you know mu- the music performance is fine. It just the studio work is not great. And I'm like, I kind yeah, of agree with yeah. this. Uh, yeah, you know, Tom Tom waits, and and we go through this the same thing mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, that's that is number one common thing with the studio is I don't understand when I was in the studio, it sounded great. I got it home and it sounds terrible. Well, because you're not listening on the same type of device or the same set of speakers. So, I mean, which is, you know, that's obvious. So Tom waits, you know, Tom waits, right? Yeah. He, he said, he said that the mix isn't done until the car likes it. (laughs) And so even, even today I'll record something with Tim Bushong and he'll rip a CD and hand it to me and tell me to go outside and listen to it in the car. Mm-hmm. No joke. Yeah. And if I listen to the car, I'm like, everything's there. Everything's working. I think we're done. You know. Right. But uh, a lot of times I'll take it out in the car and go, man, the symbols disappeared or the low end is, you know, destroying the mix is too much, right. you know, or whatever it is. And so being honest about those kind of things is helpful. Not being honest is not helpful. So, yeah. you know, I was joking about me being mean, but, I don't go out of my way to find bands and tell them what's right or what's wrong with their mix. But if somebody asks, I think that I have an obligation to be honest, you know, about what I'm hearing. And you're not doing them any favors by lying to them. I mean, not at all. I mean, you know, I think it was Alistair Begg who said, uh, the meanest truth you'll you ever get. No, he's, I can't remember the exact phrase now, but something to the effect of, you know, someone who's mean to you with truth is a better friend than a person who lies to you with the nicest intentions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's right. just like, if, yeah. you're, if you're, if you're not doing something good, they're, it's almost, they're hurting you by telling you, Hey, no, yeah. this is fantastic. You know, and people, people will have the best intentions to be like, I want to be supportive of your band, but in the same sense, it's just right. like, you know, if, if it's garbage, you know, someone needs to tell them because if you, you don't want them to go out there and be putting out garbage in front of people. Right. Conversely, conversely, I don't want to just be nasty and mean to somebody right. who said to be a demo and, and ask, I want to be constructive. I want to be able to say, you know, I would take a look at this. I would take a look at that. You know, here's where your balance mm-hmm. is off. Sometimes it's a right and left balance. Sometimes, you know, like the right channel guitar is louder than the left channel guitar, which is just makes for an awkward, weird sideways mix. It's just strange. You know, sometimes drums sound like cardboard boxes or or whatever it is, you know, those things, if you have another set of ears, it can say, Hey, this this needs to be fixed. And that's really what a producer does. You know, in our world, producer and engineer are synonymous, but really in a perfect world, you have an engineer that captures things. Then you have a producer that just basically stands there and tells you everything that's wrong with it. And that sounds like, like a mean thing, but it's, it's not, it's, you know, somebody just sit there and go, Hey, that's not right. You know, we need to correct this. We need to fix this. We need to edit this, you know, and that's in a lot of ways, what I do with Rottweiler with, with the bands when they, they hand in their music, you know, and we're talking, I mean, you know, you did it and, and I, and I gave a critique of what you had, but so does every single band that hands their stuff in, you know, right. like taking the head of Goliath, Goliath is going to get a critique from me. I mean, now once they've, learned those critiques are less and less like 
the brand new um, Shamash that uh, when does that get released? Hold on, let me look real quick. Uh, the brand new Shamash that just got handed in or handed in a little bit ago. Okay, hold on. Shamash comes out January fourteenth. It's a single uh, called "Done with Misery." They handed it in, and I just my jaw dropped. I'm like, it's perfect. Everything about that mix is perfect. Everything about the song is perfect. I can't, you know, there's nothing I can say, you know. Yeah. But there was a process with the first EP of going through all that. And now they know. Now they go, okay, Sean's going to say this. So let's just avoid that right, right. now, you know. And uh, the other thing is, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, there's a guy named Darren T. He's T-E-H is his last name, Darren T., and you know they're they're from Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Darren is a legitimate rock star in Malaysia, like 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 legit. Right. I can't go to the mall because little girls run after him. Right, right. And he is the new bass player for Shamash. He, you know, his band is more of a pop rock Green Day ish yeah. kind of a band. And he plays guitar. I think he plays guitar and sings. He's the singer for that band. But he wanted. He's a Christian, so he wanted to do not only a Christian thing, but he wanted to do something that was metal. And he hooked up with Andre. He's like, man, I'd love to play bass. Of course, Andre is like freaking out like this legit rock star. Yeah. I mean, that would be like, it'd be like in the United States, you know, like getting a call from, you know, I don't know, Zach Wilde. Hey, I really like what you're, what you're doing in your band, John. Can I come in and play guitar for you? You know, it'd be like that, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> I would be like, I can't. Uh, I can't. <laughs> No, you would step up your game massively because <laughs> you don't want to lose it. Which is what which is what Shamash did and what Andre did. Not that Andre was far off to begin with, but also Darren, you know, he's a producer mm-hmm. as well. So they handed that in. I'm like, Andre, this is perfect. Yeah, I know Darren produced it. Well, there you go. Yeah. That, that explains it. So uh, you know, but all of those things are are learning curves, growing pains, but ultimately it makes the, a better record, you know, and a lot of Christian, smaller Christian labels, they're afraid to tell their artist, this is wrong or this is right. I did that with, with Logan, with um, Symphony of Heaven, mm-hmm. you know, and I handed in, what do you think? What do you think? And they're all excited. What do you think, man? We just got it mixed. What do you think? Well, well and your guitars are kind of too scooped. It sounds all mushy and, and there's not a lot of distinction in your kick drum and, and, uh, you know, the mastering is really low, you know, then they come back, they fix all those problems. Whoa, now your mastering is so hot. There's no dynamic, you know? So there's, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky and it's, it's tricky to go back and forth, but an artist doesn't learn unless they have somebody there to say, this is where things need to be. This is what it needs to be. And really it all comes down to opinion. You know, somebody else might hear that blown out master and go, I love that. Right. It's really loud. You know, me, I go. I like loud. That's why my that's why my CD player has a, a volume knob. Right. Well, I mean, loud is for <laughs> you know? loud is for concerts. When you're sitting at home, you're not trying to blow your eardrums yeah. out. You're trying to you want to you right, want to hear right. what's going on. And I yeah I appreciate the quality control honestly because and I and I can hear yeah. it in Rock and Rottweiler because you know and that's what I've come to know about Rottweiler and that's the reason why you guys have been my favorite label for the last two years since I've wow. discovered you guys. Um, that. That definitely means a lot. And, you know, I, I hear people say that and it, it kind of blows my mind because I still, uh, pardon the pun, but I still feel like that we're the underdog, <laughs> you know, because we're, because we're, you know, we're not like a big budget label. We're not a big major label or anything like that. It's, it really is more of a ministry than a record label. Right. I mean, it's a record label in the sense that there's a brand, there's a record label in the sense that we develop the artist 
the record label and those kind of senses. And we, you know, we do radio campaigns, we do uh, marketing stuff out to uh, media and we do all that stuff. But I wish I had the, the power behind Rottweiler that, you know, say solid state has or something like that. I don't even know how to get that kind of power. I don't, I don't, I I don't don't. necessarily think that that's a good kind of power to have, to be perfectly honest, because uh, with you guys, you guys are a safe place for me as, as a Christian who's into the type of music that I am. I like, mm-hmm. I like the extreme music. I, you know, and I was talking to you the other night on Facebook about, you know, looking for Christian doom metal bands. And it's just yeah. because the, because, you know, I go, I go looking for doom metal and, you know, you go looking in the secular market and the vast majority of it either is going to have some sort of uh, witchcraft on the cover. Um, or yep. it's going to be about dope smoking and you know i'm not i'm not really into <laughs> yeah. listening listening to either and you know and then i found forsaken for a band from malta which you know you guys probably should probably look into yeah. uh but uh you know and, and they're they're pretty good but it's just like you know gosh there aren't a lot and so it's just like to be able to have, and, and that, that was one of the first questions that people asked when we started this podcast is how do you find, how do you find the bands that you find? Cause I'm the guy that everybody goes to and like, well, I like this band. You know, wh- what would you suggest if I'm into this band? It's just like, first thing you do is you find a record label that makes the type of music that you're into. Right. And, and you right. find a record label that puts that out with the, with the Christian lyrics. And then you look at all the other bands that are on that label. Cause they're going to be grouped together. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like bands have a tendency to flock together. And yeah. so, you know, then Rottweiler is a safe place that I'll set that I send people to it, just because you guys have mm-hmm. that. Whereas tooth and sure. tooth and nail, I can't say that, especially when you got bands who were their big Christian bands on their label, like under oath, now coming out and saying, Oh, well, we're not, we're not Christian anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I heard an interview with Mike Herrera from MXPX. He was being on a podcast. Ben Weasel from Screeching Weasel Mm -hmm. had a podcast. He was on there. It's interesting because Ben was not a Christian. Now he's a Catholic. He's not super vocal about his faith, but he's like, talks about going to church and talks about, you know, his Catholic faith and that kind of thing. Um, Again, not, super vocal about it but yeah he does mention it and he was interviewing Mike Herrera and Mike Herrera said on his podcast he's and I'm not I'm not talking out of line here I mean he said it on the podcast he said we were never Christians that he was we just we signed that label because it was from our hometown and we were able to get on a record label and and, and establish our careers but we were never Christians nice blew my mind blew my mind and I have friends who still listen to MXPS and go oh they're a Christian band I'm like if you go back and go through their lyrics early on, they kind of said some Christianese things watered down. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then the more, the longer they went, there wasn't even any mention of it at all. Now, and by the same token, you had the Huntington's that were just like a Ramones band, but those guys, those guys had, their faith was real. You know, they just didn't think they just didn't believe that their, music was their ministry but that their lives right. were their ministry and i'm like hey i'm okay with that i'm totally okay with that but for a band to say i guess to hide it or to pretend just so they can get a leg up i have a hard time respecting yeah. that yeah so i don't know 
it, it for me, it's just kind of the sad state of Christian hard rock and metal these days. It's just because, uh, you know, there, there was the old adage, you know, if you, if you want to, if you want to get big quick, you put on the Christian label and then, <laughs> and then when, once you got that fan base, then you cross over, so to speak. Uh, yeah. You know, that never worked it, for me, me either. I, I got accused. I got, I got accused of that so many times. <laughs> oh, you're only doing the, you're only doing the Christian thing because, because of the money. And I'm like, well, <laughs> If that's true, my wife would like to know where the paycheck. Is. I would too. I would too, sir. I, in fact, it's been my experience having been in several Christian bands in my life that it's harder to make money in a Christian band, especially when you're trying, especially oh, yeah. when you're trying to do it right, or if you're doing it right. as a ministry, because a lot of places won't touch you. And if so, then you go to the right. churches, but the churches don't want you to play at them because you're not DC Talk or Third Day, so you're not going to have a 10,000 right. person draw to play at. And so it's just like, yeah, but we're the, we're the people who are going to reach the local kids in the area. Wouldn't you rather do that right. than just make a ton of money? But For of sure. course, you know, you know, it seems like, it seems like there's a couple bands out there that have been able to make a living, maybe not a great living. Maybe it looks like it's a great living, but I don't know, but it seems like disciple and spoken seems like they've been able to maintain it. And still just be who they are. Now they're not extreme metal by any stretch, but, but still, you know, fairly aggressive rock and roll to be able to do that and still knock on church doors and the church goes, come on in and pay them what they, what they ask for. But, but that, that's not something that is very common. You know, taking the head of Goliath, we, we keep going back to them because they're a good example. Taking the, taking the head of Goliath is probably not going to have that many church gigs, mm-hmm. you know, grave robber you know, occasionally, but, but that's not, that's not the bulk of our gigs, you know? So it, it just depends on the church, you know? I mean, some churches are hip and, and, and get it and understand where, what we're trying to accomplish. The ones that do, you know, they're, they're come on in and they'll take care of you. But, you know, by and large playing in churches, isn't really, isn't really the focus. And we really, honestly, it, it's part, it may, it may be part the church's fault, but it's also part our fault because we just haven't focused right. on that. That hasn't been, you know, even if we could play churches, we know that by and large, that's not our target audience. Well, with Christian, with Christian heavy music as well, it's, it's kind of a catch 22 because the bulk, the bulk mm-hmm. of the bulk of the modern American church, you know, when, the, when it comes to you know, approaching bands, like, like taking the head of Goliath or a Shamash or even grave robber, you know, they'll be like, Oh, well, you know, that type of music isn't, isn't really Christian. You know, I I've had a lot of arguments with people that <laughs> I, you know, I had an old, I had a former pastor who would tell me that, you know, because you can't understand the lyrics immediately, it's just evident that you cannot convert heavy metal uh, to being Christian because the message isn't being understood. So you have that one. At- well, there's a lot. There's a lot of passages in the Bible that you can't understand the first right. time you read it. And, and do we dismiss well, that? And, and, you know, we're not. preaching to the choir here on that. Like I said, these are arguments <laughs> I've had with people. Uh, right. Whereas, just because the pastor can't understand the words doesn't mean that that you can't right. understand the words. Whereas, right. uh, you know, then all of a sudden these Christian bands turn around, and so they have to play the bar scene. You know, because you know the the, yeah. the Christian circuit won't take them, 
And then they catch flack from the same yeah. churches saying, Oh, look at this Christian band who's playing in a bar. Obviously they're not really Christian. And I see, I knew it. Yeah. And it, so it's kind of a catch 22 and, and it's like, and of course, you know, I, I, I'm kind of jumping around your band a little bit because I don't want to interview because we're not interviewing uh wretched here, but grave robber, no. uh, grave robber, you, you guys catch it on a third level because there's, then there's, there's people who don't understand <laughs> the whole yeah. horror punk aspect, I guess. Right. Right. Which, you know, well, I mean, yeah, you probably need to ask Richard about that. He could probably explain it better <laughs> than I can. But um, as far as um, as far as that, you know, going into a bar and playing and, and catching the flag, Jesus did yeah. the same thing. I mean, you know, right after right after Levi's conversion to Matthew, you know, he goes to dinner with Matthew and all of his sinner friends at his house. You know, rabbis just don't do that. You know. And who comes to call him out? The religious right. people, right? And the funny, funny thing in that passage, if you read the passage in mm -hmm. Matthew, is the uh, the Pharisees come out and they call the disciples over to question the disciples about why Jesus is doing what he's doing. And it, it's almost like, well, why don't you just ask him? You know, and they 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 kind of know better than to ask him because they know he's going to put them in a, in their place, and he does. He sees what's going on. He comes out and. Pretty much, you know, he says, the son of man comes eating and drinking and you call him a glutton and a drunkard, meaning, yeah, I'm having a glass of wine with these guys. Yeah, I'm having dinner with these guys, but I'm neither a glutton nor a drunkard. And, and by calling himself the son of man, he's denoting his right. deityship. You know, he's like, he's literally, literally what he's saying is like, I am God. I am having a ham sandwich with these guys and I am having a Bud Light. Chill out. <laughs> he's, you know, he's right, right. that's essentially what he's saying like like you guys are idiots like go go find something worthwhile to to, to put your attentions on because because really what jesus is doing there is is pretty innocuous as far as mosaic law mm -hmm. goes but it's but it means everything to the people that are in that room you know and so you apply the same thing to a, a christian death metal band going playing with a bunch of other death metal bands in a bar okay that breaks, as far as I can tell, maybe I'm wrong and I'm open to being wrong, but I, as far as I can tell, I can't find a single New Testament passage that, that's being mm -hmm. violated. Right. Not one. But I also find the Great Commission, which is being right. kept. So so trying to call somebody out for literally following the words of Jesus and not breaking anything, any of the commandments of Jesus, to me is just like, that is the most hip hypocritical mm -hmm. thing that you can come up with to do, you know? And so that it's, it's cr crazy how I think of the churches would get behind, get behind these bands and understand that they are modern day evangelists. I mean, right. that's what they are. I mean, it's, they are taking the gospel to places that the church either doesn't know exist or doesn't, doesn't have the mm -hmm. fortitude to, to go there. You know, I, I, you know, your average, now, now, here's something interesting, though. No joke. With Grave Robber, little old church ladies get it almost every time. It's very rare that we've ever had a little old church lady come up and try to condemn us. I mean, it's always like, I love what you guys do. I love the fact that you that you do it the way you do it. I love the fact that you go places where I can't go and tell people about Jesus. We hear that all the time from little old church ladies. You know who doesn't like Grave Robber? Youth group kids youth group kids because 
they might be new to faith. And so they're still in that legalistic phase. Um, they've been told by other people that, well, if it doesn't look Christian, it probably yeah. isn't Christian. And which, of course, I always go back to John the Baptist. He probably didn't look very Christian. You know, he's a wild man. The chances of him having a comb, probably pretty slim. I doubt he had a toothbrush. He's wearing camel skin. The dudes, you know, they say you are what you eat. And this guy ate locusts, you know. I'm sure his appearance when he walks out of the wilderness is pretty horrifying. You know, he's not a normal looking dude. For sure. Right. But he's heralding the coming of mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. I love that God chose chose this to be the method, you know, because that shows me that, you know, in, in 2021, somebody like Wretched can can right. declare the king of the universe. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah. Right? You know, there's nothing wrong with having a difficult message to you know because it, it it makes you think about things like i i'm i'm a i'm the uh i'm the youth pastor at my church and and uh you know i i i encourage grave robber to be perfectly honest but now see your youth group kids your youth group kids might be cool <laughs> but but i also you know, because, i also push no, less control because, on them too so i mean <laughs> there you go right so so i mean they're gonna they're gonna have a different viewpoint when i say youth group kids, no no I but i i, I understand in every youth group in the nation <clears throat> i mean that we we <laughs> let me put it this way we played sunshine fest which is hilarious you know so we played we played cornerstone you stand on stage and it's just an ocean of black right. t-shirts you know there was like i think they said i think they said what was it two thousand twenty five hundred people in the tent the the last mm -hmm. time we headlined so twenty five hundred people is a lot of people so, but it's nothing but black t-shirts, mm -hmm. right? And then, then a couple of weeks later, we played Sunshine and every youth group had their own color, like fluorescent green, orange, red, yellow, this bright blue. And all these youth group kids wear, wear their, they all wear their, their color, the color of their, which is funny because that's like, you know, isn't that, right. don't gangs right. do that? They wear the colors. And so these, so these youth group gangs <laughs> are wearing you know, fluorescent green and everything. And so you stand on the stage and look out over, over all these kids. And it looks like you're looking at a, a spilled bag right. of Skittles. That's what it looks like. Cause it's like all these different colors, like and, and all huddled together. And so we played the show and everything, I thought everything went great. I the kids seemed responsive. It seemed like everything was good. Everything was fine. And a couple of weeks later, we got a message from sunshine saying, Hey, unfortunately we can never book you guys again. <laughs> Why? What did we do? And they shared some, they blocked out the names, of course, but they shared some messages that they had received from youth group kids about how we were <clears throat> not Christians and we're not this, we're not that and all this stuff. And I was just like, wow, it's crazy. But I mean, I wasn't even mad because I understand that that's just, that's the culture and the environment that well, we stepped into. It's, so it's a fashion it. thing. Cause I mean, if you actually sit down and listen to, you know, the lyrics, you know, yeah, they're, they're paint, they're painted with some imagery, obviously for what the band is. But I mean, you listen to, you listen to right. songs like paranormal activity or, you know, uh, you're all going to die. I mm -hmm. mean, I, I got it right away. In fact, the first time I discovered the band, I, first thing I did was I messaged the band's website and I'm like, Hey, you know, I just want to let you know, I think I get what you're doing and I think it's freaking brilliant, but I, I come from I come from a background where you know I was listening to the Misfits at an early age, so 
So, oh yeah, you know, yeah. Horror punk's kind of my jam. So, I. Yeah, what's really interesting about the Misfits is <clears throat> along the way, and, and this isn't even Grave Robber. This is long before Grave Robber. Right. I became friends with a guy named Bobby Steele, who was Ooh. the guitar player right before Doyle. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, Bobby was not the original guitar player of the Misfits. He was uh, in after um, Franchi Coma. And, uh, but he was in the Misfits the same length of time that Doyle was. Right. I'm talking originally before they broke up. Mm-hmm. And he did three seven inches with them, but Doyle did the album. So, right. to, you know, to the bulk of the world, it's Doyle was the guy who was the guitar player in there the whole time. Anyway, fast forward, and now Bobby is a Christian. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's written some Christian songs. He's, you know, he's, he's absolutely a believer. He's just an absolutely fantastic human being. And I've also heard that, um, that Jerry only who is, is Catholic has become more serious about his faith over the years too. So, but then some of the songs don't seem, it seems weird mm-hmm. that some of the song lyrics, I go, oh, okay, that's kind of weird, you know, but, I, but I'm a fan. I'm mm-hmm. a fan of the misfits. I have been since I was a kid. Yeah, uh, Jerry only actually, uh, I found out about him in uh, the what so and so says section of HM magazine, which oh, I love. Yeah. yeah, I love that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess uh, both him and uh, Doyle are um, because they after the po- post misfits, they had put out an album under the band name Christ the Conqueror. And it, mm-hmm. it was, I right. guess it was, uh, some sort of caveman themed band. So, and, and, and I've, I've, yeah. I've noticed, I've, I've kind of noticed the difference in the lyricism between the Glenn Danzig era and the, uh, Michael Graves era of the misfits. Uh, yeah. you, you had more songs that are just based off of movies rather than songs like bullet yeah. or where Eagles dare. Right now, uh, Michael Graves claims to be a Christian as well. Uh, so yeah, I love him. It's interesting that there's, yeah, it's interesting that there's so, and there's a lot of dudes in the music business. I mean, I remember being at Cornerstone and they did this. Um, I just happened to be there. I was really lucky. Um, they were doing a, Oh, like a, what do you call it? I guess it was just like an interview, but it was more, more or less like a press conference mm-hmm. with, um, with uh, Dan Spitz from Anthrax. Right. And he had Peter Baltus, the bass player from Accept, with him. And they were announcing this new band they were putting together with uh, this drummer. They couldn't they couldn't name the drummer yet. Well, the drummer, I found out years later, was Nico McBrain. Oh. And the whole thing, the whole thing never happened. That's it never shame. came together. But um, but but uh, Danny, Danny's a Christian for sure. I've talked to him. You know, he is. And you know, there's a lot of those guys out there. And I know I know Nico is. The one that's most confused. I'm sorry, Nico. I said I know that Nico McBrain is. Yeah, yeah, he is for sure. Um, but it's it's interesting, like within the within the secular music scene, there's a number of Christians in there. You know, of course, you know Blackie Lawless, Alice Cooper, uh, the Daves from Megadeth. Although the one Dave, you know, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> uh, you know, got a little bit of trouble Whoops. this year. Um, but you know what, man? You know, he got he did something that was pretty was pretty horrible, mm-hmm. but you know, the Bible says there's only one, one sin that's not forgivable. And, uh, you know, as long as he repents and as long as he gets his act together, I, I think, I think his fans and his audience will get past it and he'll get past it as long as he, as long as he truly repents. I mean, it'll be all right. If as I lay dying can forgive Tim Lambasis, you know? Yeah. 
I think the important thing in that is that Tim forgives himself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, mm-hmm. and I just saw some lyrics that on a recent thing that he did. I guess he does he have a new band or something? Oh uh, no, As I Lay Dying is uh, back together with him. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- well, the person who posted these lyrics said a d- different oh. name. Maybe they got it wrong. I don't know. But the lyrics were really good and really faith-based and really good. So hopefully that's that's where he finds himself. And I know some people out in California that actually know him. Mm-hmm. And even though he doesn't go public very strongly about anything, they say, you know, in private and in person that he's that he's definitely repented and he's definitely, you know, has sorrow for what he's right. done. And he's made amends with his ex-wife and everything's good. But, uh, you know, it sounds like, it sounds like to me that the reason he, he doesn't go public is people have already tried and condemned him. Yeah. You know, there's nothing more to say, right. you know, you know, they're, they're not going to believe him. They don't want to believe him, yeah. you know, and it's, it's unfortunate, unfortunate within Christendom that we, when things like unfortunate things like that happen, when people respond to the flesh rather than walking in the spirit, when people do that, especially if they're a public figure, there's no forgiveness. There's no recompense. There's no, you can't, you can't work past it. You are condemned from here to eternity. And that's all there is to it in the eyes of some people. Now, go ahead. I was just going to say, I've heard a pastor say one time that uh, the Christian army is the only army that will shoot their wounded. Absolutely. And then shoot themselves in the foot at the same time. It's It's almost like, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that that quote too. That we're the only army that shoots our wounded. But I would add that we shoot our wounded through our through oh, our own feet, because because when you shoot your wounded, you're harming your own ministry, right. because you're not doing what you say you're doing. And Jesus had this word for that, for saying one thing and doing the other. He had this word for it: hypocrite. Right. You know, and we wonder why does the world not. Fill up our churches. Why aren't there pews in our, you know, why aren't our churches filled to the gills every Sunday? Well, because you shoot your wounded through your own foot. Maybe you should stop doing yeah, that. Yeah. You know, we had a conversation, my wife and I did the other day about this guy that we know who is gay and is involved in our church. And she said, she goes, I've noticed there's been a lot of changes in him. I said, yeah, yeah, there has. You know, so a lot of churches would say you can't even take part in what we have going on here because you're gay. What I would say is, you know, whatever sin, and I don't even know. Okay, this is gonna man go into dangerous territory here. Okay, what I read in the New Testament talks about the act, the physical act of what gay men do mm-hmm. as the sin. So if somebody is gay but doesn't engage in that, in other words, if you have homosexual tendencies but you don't do that are you still sinning i that's a tough that's a mm-hmm. tough question okay i don't want to try to answer that question right here but i will say this this gay man that i'm talking about does not have a boyfriend mm-hmm. okay attends our church helps out always willing to dig in at any time tithes you know raises his hands in in worship um he's attentive he helps do what do we do? Do we kick him out because he's gay, or do we let him stay and hear the word of God and let the word of God transform him? Let the Holy Spirit transform him. Let the Holy Spirit do better th- than what I can do. You know, if I'm wrong, I don't think that my my uh, missing the mark here would be nearly as damaging as throwing this guy out and saying you're not welcome here because of, because of that. 
and then finding out I'm wrong about that. Right. Well, and, and you know, if I'm well, I mean, and then the Bible also says, you know, it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. You know, they, you know, showing pe showing people God, you know, the any sort of wrath or or anything to that effect. You're not going to change the world by kicking people out. You know, right, right. <clears throat> I had a really good friend named Skip Brooks. He was a pastor of a church down in San Antonio, and he passed three years ago. Um, I remember visiting, we were on tour and visiting his church and we actually played a show in his church. Now this was like a punk rock church yeah. in San Antonio, Texas. So youth, the youth group kids there had no right. problem with this. And, <laughs> and there was a guy who walked in the door wearing a dress, had earrings, had a wig on, had makeup on. And now this was around Halloween mm -hmm. time. So naturally I thought it was a Halloween costume. And I mentioned something to Skip about that. And Skip goes, oh, no, he dresses like that all the time. <laughs> okay. All right. And two years later, same thing. We were down there. Uh, it was around Halloween time. Uh, this guy walks in with a cowboy hat. No, it's Texas. Walks in with a cowboy hat, cowboy boots on. And Skip leans over to me. He goes, remember the guy in the dress? Said, yeah. He goes, that's him. Went, wow, that's a switch, man. No, he's like, he went from dressing, dressing like, a grandma to dressing like John Wayne. Hey. He said, yeah. He said, this guy had really, really bad emotional problems because his mother died. Mm -hmm. And when she died, he started going into her closet and wearing her clothes. It was something psychological that just kind of snapped in him. He said, instead of kicking him out, instead of throwing him away, we just let him be who he was and let God work on him. He said, one day he walked in, dressed in a suit and tie and we were like we we're like wow you know what happened to you he goes oh i just realized i don't need to wear my mom's dresses anymore because doing that's not going to bring her back and her memories in my in my head not in wearing her clothes mm -hmm. and so now this guy wasn't necessarily gay but most people would probably say he was a cross-dresser right you know and so two years after that we were back down there again and he walked in wearing a full indian headdress <laughs> All right. Then. And I said, okay, so, all right, Skip, is this an improvement? He went from wearing his mom's dresses to dressing like John Wayne. Now he's a cowboy. He goes, he goes well, he found just found out that he is a Native American. And uh, and so now he's embracing that. And I'm like, okay, this, but see, this guy's working it out. This yeah. guy's in church. He's hearing the word of God. He's figuring it out. Most of us figure it out in not such a dramatic way. But some of us have to take time you know and so when it comes to tim lambesis or it comes to michael graves or it comes to you know anybody it comes to you and i you know it's like the person that i am today is is far different than the person i was 22 years ago when i said yes to jesus mm -hmm. very different person you know very different person than you know before jesus so those things just take time yeah. you know and that Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those nine, it says the fruit, not the fruits, mm -hmm. the fruit, one fruit that has all nine components. And if you, if you kind of take inventory every now and then and go, okay, am I love, joy, peace? Let's take the first three. Am I more loving now than I was then? Yeah, because you know what? 21 years ago, I might have kicked the cross-dressing guy out. Right. So it's a good thing I wasn't a pastor back then, right. you know. But 
I, w- I wouldn't have wanted him around. Oh, look what's going on with that guy. Fully not looking at what's going on with this. You know, fully not looking at what's going on with this guy. Right. You know, I'm, what's going on with that guy? And that's uh, that is one of the worst things that we can do as Christians. You know, is to get get our focuses on other people's sin and how they need to straighten up. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay. So so yeah, a lot more loving joy. Yeah, joy joy's not happiness. Joy's a deep rooted thing. I mean, when things go sour with me, yeah, it's a bummer. But I, the bottom doesn't completely drop out. Oh, right. It used to. Yeah. But then I had moments of ha- moments of happiness, but then the bottom would drop out. Now with joy, the bottom doesn't drop out. Right? Peace. When those bad things happen, I can deal with it much better than I used to be able to deal with it when I was younger. So, so those things naturally are, are growing in me mm-hmm. as well as every other person who says yes to Jesus and allows the Holy spirit to do that work. So that's why I say, you know, those, the people that are in the bars, the people that are um, outside of the four walls of, of the church. I don't, I really don't have a whole lot of judgment for them. You know, I, I, I can't even muster it. Now, Christians inside the church that claim Jesus and then live their lives like they're going out of their way to reject him. Yeah, I can, you know, what's that? John, is it John seven? I can't remember now, Mm. but talks about how we judge people in the manner that you judge, you will be judged. Right. Mm. It it didn't say you're not going to judge. It says in the manner that you judge. Right. I think we get that wrong as Christians. You're not supposed to judge your brother. You're not supposed. Yeah, you are. You are now not judge with condemnation, but judge with assessment. Right. You know, if, if I'm not assessing what's going on with you and we're in the same church and I'm not looking at what you're doing and assessing it, that means I don't give, I don't care about you. I don't give a rip about you. Mm-hmm. I should be looking at John and going, man, I hope John's okay. He's, he's, he's kind of being a little weird lately. He's being a little squirrely. You know, I wonder what's going on with him. You know, that is, an assessment, which is a judgment, right? I'm making a judgment. Something's going on. And then I can come to you and go, Hey, I've noticed there's a couple of things been going on. Is everything okay? Right. And if not, how can I walk alongside you and help? You know, that's a judgment, but that's, that's not a condemnation. Judgment of condemnation is never allowed right. in, in a Christian's life. You know, and I've, I've, I've left churches because they don't do that. Like yeah. <laughs> there was one church I went to where I went there for three years. I still had no clue who any of the people were there. No one had, I know. no one had an interest in knowing me or trying to have a relationship with me. They, they absolutely right. wanted me to play guitar up on the worship team, but you know, <laughs> so I decided to test it one day after three years when I was feeling incredibly lonely in this, going to this church. Yeah. And, and, and so I just, I didn't go to church for six weeks, six weeks. Yeah. I didn't go to church and you know, I, you know, they would schedule me for the worship team and I wouldn't show up. And then six weeks later, you know, I, I showed up and no one said, you know, I noticed you were missing what's going on. It's wow. just like, so just, I think one person said, Hey John, and that was it. Wow. And I'm just like, I need to leave this. This is not a healthy atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I'm sorry to say, I mean, if you were on the worship team, they should have been calling you about 15 minutes after it was time to be right. there. You know, like it's time for rehearsal or sound check. Well, where's John, you know, should have been calling you right there. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, but, but, you know, a part of it, part of it, I will blame 
I gotta be careful how I say this. <laughs> Part of it I blame on our culture. Our our culture at large right now is a leave me alone, don't tell me what to do, don't get in my business type culture, you know, and that has bled into the church. It shouldn't, but it mm-hmm. has. You know, so it's like if you if you don't show up, the mindset in, in many cases is Oh, I, I shouldn't bother. I shouldn't bother him. You know, he, he's, he's obviously something's going on. I better leave him alone. Okay. Well, that's, that's a cultural thing, but it's not a biblical right. thing. The, the biblical thing is you go find out what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that the pastor has to chase every person who leaves the church, but I do think the church has a responsibility to, to just check in on with the people that they're closest to, you know, like, I don't know, like uh, on the worship team, you know, it seems to me that if you're on the worship team, somebody on the worship team should have been the one to check in on yeah. you, you mm-hmm. know? And I don't mean that condemning. I just mean, it's just an odd, odd thing that we have, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it wasn't like right. this. I mean, if you didn't show up, people were panicking, like, what's going on? Yeah. You know, like, why is he not here today? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And now, now it's just like, oh, we can't get in anybody's business. Yeah. yeah. Gotta let them go. Sure. Uh, so it's just a w- weird thing that we have. You know, I live in, I live in a in a uh, um, subdivision, and I don't really know my neighbors. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, twenty thirty years ago, it wasn't like that. Everybody knew everybody. Yeah. Well, I. You know, to be to be perfectly honest, I I'm not super familiar with any of mine either. So I, I get where you're coming yeah. from, but it, like it's like you said, it yeah. shouldn't be that way in the church, even if it is that way outside of the four walls. So because the church should be more like a family and less like a club. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now our church is really tiny. You know, twelve to fifteen of us on our best day. Hey. You know, so it's kind of hard. You can't hide. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> you can't sit back in the shadows and. You just, there's, there's too few people. You can't get away with For that. Sure. Well, let's bringing it back to Rottweiler here. Uh, what's, okay. what, what is the future of Rottweiler? I, I, I got, I got a recommendation <clears throat> for your, you, you have a sub label now I, that has mm-hmm. four bands on it and two of which I'm already planning. I'm already planning on buying all their stuff. So that's, cool. that, that, that's a thing. Uh, do you intend on creating a hip hop sub label of Rottweiler? <laughs> Oh, this is interesting. So Haga, Haga Recordings was a hip hop label. Oh, really? And I don't know why I got it in my head that I should do that, but I did. And what I found out really quickly was that hip hop subculture was something I don't know a whole lot mm-hmm. about. You know, I did, and not that I couldn't have learned it or brought somebody on that, that did know about it, but I, it just it was really interesting that a lot of hip hop that was current and modern you know like the stuff that i remember you know because i'm older you know for me it was like you know run dmc and nwa and public enemy and that but that's like that's like old school right. stuff you know cool modi and all that so that that's like old school hip-hop part of me actually kind of likes it. part of me is like it's just you know i got this uh oh what's the right word i guess nostalgia yeah. for it and so i kind of like it then there was this whole right at that time, this whole thing that was coming in with like mumble rap and the mumble rap was like, I could understand every word. It wasn't, wasn't that I had, thank you. It wasn't like I had trouble understanding the words. My problem with mumble rap was I just thought it was really boring. I agree. I agree so much. It didn't say anything. So the mumble rap to me was just boring. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first time I heard NWA and I'm like, this is like, 
the equivalent of metal to to hip hop, right? Because it it just sounded heavy and it sounded hard, and the drum beats were thick and and just hard hitting. You know, the, the the production on that straight out of Compton record is just really hard hitting and just really actually the production's pretty cool. And I remember hearing that and hearing uh, um, some of the Ice T stuff. You know, the girl tried to kill me has this big rock guitar thing on it. So I heard that and I was like, so that stuff, I, I went, okay. You know, at, at the time, back in the 80s, I was like, I hate yeah. rap. And then I heard this stuff and I went, no, I, I actually kind of like this. This is all right. And I don't dislike it. So I didn't follow into the whole uh, gangster rap, you know, like, honestly, uh, this is blasphemy in the rap world, but Snoop was kind of boring for me because his delivery was so laid back. And, and I guess that was the appeal was that he's laid back and smooth and cool and in hip. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I wanted to straight out of Compton. You're like, Rah! you know, yeah, yeah, for know, sure. Getting angry. Public enemy. man. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, face. How low can you go? Death row. What a brother know. You know. Yeah, and I just I wanted that. You know, and so then so then it went from the gangster rap. Then then you know we move on into the, you know now through all the different styles and whatnot, and we land on mumble rap. Mumble rap was just like this one tone with a beat. It was like slow. It's like. It, but not even I can't even compare it to doom metal. Like it was just like it, I don't know. It was just super duper slow. And he's like he's 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 rapping like like somebody told him, Okay, when you go into the vocal booth, don't move your tongue, your teeth, or your lips and and do your rap that way. You know, and that's what it sounded like to me. And so there was all this, and it was super popular at the time when Hagah was trying to be a rap label. And I signed one artist. Um, I listened to a bunch of stuff, but the stuff that was coming my way was kind of old school. And then I'd play it for some people who really were into rap. I go, what do you think of this? They go, that sounds like it came out in 1988. I'm like, yeah, isn't it cool? No, it's not. Uh, okay. Because rap, rap is about being very current and very on top and very modern and, you know, very up on it. We've got bands on Rottweiler that sound like they came out of 1992, 1998. You know, we've got some old sounding bands. I mean, let's be real. Taking the head of Goliath sounds like they're from the, the early mid nineties. Yeah. From the Florida metal death metal scene. I get it. Exactly. Exactly. So they sound like that, which is the reason I like them, you know, and the reason they like doing what they do. Cause they like that, that style of music. Grave robber sounds like seventies punk rock with a little more modern production. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, not, super modern but you know what i mean and so those kind of sounds brutality sounds like it sounds like late 90s thrash or mid 90s thrash or whatever and so anyway the hip-hop thing Mm -hmm. so it was called hagat and i signed one artist i signed dirt and he had this record um oh dude and the record was so good well at one point i realized that i could not really facilitate dirt the way I wanted to. And I'm like, I'm doing this guy no justice at all. So I went to him and I said, said, I'm so sorry. I'm giving everything back and I'm folding the label. It's done. Well, then, man, it was just like one of those Holy Spirit things. A couple of years later, a few years later, I left the, I left the page up. I don't even know why. But a few years later, all of a sudden it was like the Lord telling me like, hey, look, there's all these bands out there. I, I, I couple couple rules. One was 
I wouldn't sign a single artist project band. I wouldn't do it. Um, I wanted to sign bands. Mm-hmm. Or not I wanted to sign bands. It was God directing me to sign bands. I kept getting these demos. It's just one guy, but the music was decent. So I'm like, huh, maybe that's what Hagah was supposed to be. Maybe Hagah is supposed to be this underground metal label, like even further underground than what than what Rottweiler is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I got to look this up real quick. I got my computer and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this really quick. Okay, so um, so I decided that it was going to be a like death metal, black metal, that kind of that kind of thing. You know, go a little harder, make Rottweiler a little more. I hate to say the word mainstream or or to say um, commercial because I don't think our bands are really all that commercial. I mean, it, we, there's not like a you know Nickelback or you know that that type of sound. It's it's not a radio sound at all, but it's not. Rottweiler has a little bit of a polish. Mm-hmm. The bands have a little bit of a polish to them, whereas Hagah is like just dirty, nasty, whatever. <laughs> and uh, um, but it's good. I love that kind of music, though. You know, like that the early like Creator albums back in the late mm-hmm. '80s. You know, so nasty sounding. But that's what I loved about it. You know, and like bands like the Crumb Suckers were like one of my favorites. You know, it was for crossover thrash and some of the DRI stuff you know, when I was younger. But Hagah, I understood that word because there is that verse that says um, that we are to dwell on these things, you know, whatever is good, whatever is, you know, righteous, whatever, you know, we are to dwell on these things. Okay. The word dwell in Hebrew is Hagah, and that means to mutter to oneself. So if you're muttering to yourself things that are good, righteous, holy, pleasing, all of that, if you are muttering that to yourself, what are you doing? You're preaching to yourself. You're telling yourself. Now, in the context of that verse, it's talking about God. You know, remind yourself of the goodness of God. Remind yourself of the holiness of God. Remind yourself of his righteousness. Okay. So you're reminding yourself of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. But also it works for you yourself. So, you know, if, if you're down in the doldrums and, you know, remind yourself of who you are, who your identity is in, like identity in Christ, not identity in the world, not identity in your failures, not identity in your flaws, identity in Christ, not beating yourself up because you happen to sin. If your sin is already paid for and taken care of by the cross, you can't dwell in that. You can't live in that, but you can Hagah to yourself and say, my identity is now in Christ. Second Corinthians 5, 17, I'm a new creature because I'm in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So like it's a, it's a it's a passage to tell you to remind yourself of the goodness of God and to remind yourself to tell yourself to remind yourself about your identity in Christ. Okay. That was the intention for the hip hop label. Haga to speak, mm-hmm. right? right? What's hip hop? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Rhythmic speaking. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. Yeah. And they go, oh, I'm the singer in a hip hop band. No, you're, you're the rhythmic speaker in a hip hop band. Right. You're not a, that's not singing. It's rhythmic talking, right? And and I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that to explain this name. Now, check this out. This blew my mind, right? So I'm like, yeah, but Haggad doesn't really work. It doesn't work for a, a black metal label. So I looked up the word, the meaning for Haggad. 
in the uh, Old Testament Hebrew lexicon. And I'm pulling it up right now. You ready for this? Uh-huh. To moan, growl, utter, muse, mutter, uh, meditate, devise, plot, or speak. But it's... Hey, everybody. This is John cutting in. Uh, future John, that is. Uh, it was at this point that the file on Sean's track corrupted. So you were to only get one side of the conversation, my side, uh, if this were to continue. Uh, Glicks caused problems with the file retrieval process and thus part of the interview was destroyed. Unfortunately, it was the last 12 minutes. Uh, I apologize for the inconvenience, but... This interview was really good, and Sean was such a good guy to uh, give us the interview that I wanted to put what we had out. Um, and he said he would definitely be back on the show. Uh, so we are thankful for that, and hopefully you've enjoyed this episode of Primitive Rhythm Machine. Uh, and once again, Primitive Rhythm Machine is part of the uh, Geek Devotion Network. It is a network devoted to letting you know that you are loved and there is a purpose for your life. So if you get nothing... Else out of this episode, we want to make sure that you hear that. Um, I have a few ideas coming up. Steve will be returning for an episode. We're going to talk about some stuff. So stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, so we'll catch you next time. Peace and love. <laughs>